All right, amen. You may be seated. Thank you all very much. Great job, as always. Hello to those that are watching online. Glad you're with us. Um, We are continuing in our series loosely with the art of neighboring. I've had some of their scripture references are hard to tie in. And this one, the last two were especially, so I kind of went my own route just a little bit. Uh, But it's good to have everybody here today that's here. Pray for all those that are traveling on their summer festivities. Um, I was just looking around. We have a guest, Tom Devinney, and his lovely wife. He's a senior pastor at Bethsaida Church. And I I was looking at him. I was like, man, we got percentage-wise, we have one, two, three, four pastors here today. (laughs) Let's talk about scrutiny, right? (laughs) All right, so we'll give it our best shot. All right, let me ask you this, interactive today. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? Okay. What was it? Or one, one of them? Emmaus? Yes, that's a common one. Many of us can relate to that. Emmaus. Mission trips, right? Uh, we just had a crew come back from Guatemala. I'm sure that was, they shared with us, mountaintop experience. I've had several myself, either mission trips, Emmaus. I've had little ones, little revelations in scripture or worship. Um, so it, they're important to us. I mean, some of, I, I look back at my mountaintop experiences, and I know they were some of the most formative experiences that God built on throughout my life, continues to build on. Um, Our scripture today talks about a mountaintop experience uh, Jesus had with Peter, James, and John. It's out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. It says, after six days, Jesus took uh, him, Peter, James, and, excuse me, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up high on the mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. So the particulars on this, Jesus went up with his disciples and uh, Peter, James, and John, and, and you see this moment, this this moment where he is transfigured. They saw his, his light, and it shone like the sun. And then we see Moses and Elijah. And we could get into some of the 
particulars about that. You know, Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And here Jesus was, the story's not finished, but we know in the big picture that he is going to bring grace. And so where we have this theology we've talked about, we just had our Holy Spirit series where we talked about law, grace, and spirit. Remember the missing link. And so there they are representing part of the picture uh, that came before Jesus. And he, Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody until after I'm raised. Because he didn't want uh, to, things to jump ahead of the narrative, jump ahead of the story. Um, so he says, wait. You're going to tell people, and this is going to be formative to you, but, but just wait. And so we have the representation of the law, representation of the prophets, and we have Jesus that is the next link in the story of God's salvation for this world. But it is there that they, in this scene where they see Jesus and he's transfigured before them, we see Moses and Elijah with him, and we hear the voice of approval acknowledging that this is my son. I'm well pleased. Uh, very similar to uh, Jesus' baptism. And so this, this is a significant event in these disciples' lives. These are key disciples. Peter's going to be the rock that is going to build his church. He's going to have to do some transfiguring himself uh, before he gets to that point. But these are the disciples that need to know, need to have that assurance of who Jesus is if they're going to carry out the mission of Christ. And remember, I tell you this all the time, remember, all his disciples are going to have this kind of realization of who Jesus is because the things that make the disciples of Acts, the ones that are bold and fearless for the sake of the gospel and those that are bumbling and stumbling and scared at Jesus' death. What is the two things? This is a quiz, because I say this all the time. Two things that made the difference between those two disciples and will make the difference in our lives as disciples. First is the reality of the resurrected Jesus. All the disciples experienced the resurrected Lord and they knew that they knew that they knew. And the second they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to send it to you, but you can't do this on your own, so wait. Those two things made all the difference in the disciples, and they will make all the difference in our, in our lives as disciples of Christ. When the resurrected Christ becomes more and more of a reality, our faith is stronger because we know that we know. And when we open ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can do things that we couldn't even imagine. We can understand things we couldn't even imagine. We can discern things we can't even imagine. And so those two things. So, but here they got a little, uh, these three got a little glimpse before Jesus' resurrection. And this was going to help fill in some pieces in, in the Confusion they probably had coming down the mountain was cleared up when Jesus was finally raised from the dead. And they had understood it. But the definition of a mountaintop experience, those that we see in the Bible with Moses, this one, 
Um, and those that we have, the definition that I give to it, uh, mountaintop experience is God revealing uh, God's self and us experiencing God in new and profound ways. Every mountaintop experience I have had, God has revealed himself in a new and profound way, and I experienced God in a new and profound way. And so, and that's what happened to our disciples. They experienced Jesus in a new and profound way that connected him to the story of God's redemption for all creation, and it connected him in a special relationship with God. Now, they probably didn't iron all of that out and have all that clear in their head, but they knew at some level that this relationship was special. And Jesus, all the stuff he was telling them, remember, we have the advantage of hindsight, but all the stuff that he was telling them about, about how he was supposed to die and be raised from the dead and forgiving of sins and all this stuff, it gave that a little more validity for them. And so, as we look at our mountaintop experiences, we understand a few things about them. First, we understand that they, um, strengthen our faith. Just like the disciples, when they saw uh, this transfiguration and they saw uh, Moses and they saw Elijah, they had a better understanding of who Jesus was and probably a stronger faith that he was who he said he was. And so, um, they were richer, their faith was strengthened because of their experience. But understand that it is not about, it is not for their sake alone, just like we said in our offering and God blessing us, God does not bless us for ourselves alone. This mountaintop experience, your mountaintop experience, let's take Emmaus, was not for you alone, Right? It was so that you, because of your faith, my mountaintop experience, now some aren't all these drastic. I went on my walk when I was like 23 in Dallas, new Christian, trying to figure it out. And that was a mountaintop experience. I was telling somebody I got so caught up in it. Well, first I was... Um, and now, if you've been on the walk, I probably told you the story. I was mad that my wife, through my mother-in-law, roped me in going on this, this Christian thing on the weekend. Crazy, crazy mother-in-law, Christian mother-in-law down Texas sending me to a cult. And, and I was mad. I remember, I was a young Christian. But I was searching, and my wife wanted me to go. And... I might have told some of this story, but, but, it, but boy, I got there, and I got it. I got it. I mean, it's just started pouring out, and the Holy Spirit just pouring out. I was having, I was having revelation, and it, things were coming together. You know, 23 years old, not, didn't grow up in a Christian home, and it's just pouring. It was like a, drinking from a fire hose. It was amazing. But before we went, I was very ugly to my wife. Now, I was joking ugly in front of her family, 
you know, I would say and stuff, just joking. Oh, are we going to get, it didn't even make sense, right? I was like, oh, let's stop, get some cigarettes. All right, what? I said, I heard they're like money in there, right? Uh, just, and then I told her, I said, I'm going to go on this thing, but I'm telling you right now, if there's any of this men hugging men, I'm out, <laughs> right? And then afterwards, I'll just jump to the chase low on time. Um, we were leaving, and every, yeah, man, I was coming down off the mountain. It was amazing. And my brother-in-law went with me, and we were talking. I said, boy, yeah, I, I started to get it. The scales came off about Saturday morning. Or no, he told me. He interrupted me. He goes, Saturday morning, right? I said, yes, how'd you know? He said, I looked over. You were hugging some guy. <laughs> All right? That's what kind of mountaintop experience it was for me. That that's formed my whole life. Ultimately, that's what led me into ministry. So it was a huge formative experience in my life. But for the sake of the gospel and for others, it wasn't just for me. And yours is not just for you. It's for you to strengthen your faith by having a special re revelation and experience with God. And here's the tough part when we have a mountaintop experience. So you, the, that you go back into the valley. See, in this world, we're not made for the mountaintops. The mountaintops are made for us. To strengthen us, <clears throat> to strengthen our faith. Because just like Moses just like Peter, James, and John, after your mountaintop experience, you got to go back into the valley because that's where our work is. But that experience has given us better insight, better revelation. It has strengthened our faith that we might carry out the mission in the valley. Just like we see that in our text, right? Where'd they come Right after they come down the mountain, or right with a demon-possessed boy that can't be delivered because the disciples don't have enough faith, and it's just, oh, it's like coming back to church sometime. What's going on now, right? What fire's happening? But that's where we're supposed to be the light, down in the darkness. The mountaintops are not made for us alone. They're made for those that we're going to interact with in the valley. We're not meant to stay there. There's a passage that is always... Well, let me, let me make one more point as far as the mountaintop experience and what we've been talking about as far as discipleship. That, that discipleship isn't about doing a bunch of stuff. It's about showing up. Yeah, we say we need to pray. We say we need to read Scripture. You need to be in the body and to worship and fellowship. You need to do all that stuff. But it's not with an agenda. Just show up because why? That's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where the Spirit of God is. And God's going to do something if you show up. And so one more point I want to make about this. It's just what if James and Peter or John or one of them, all three of them said, Oh, I don't want to go up that mountain. I'm tired. It's 106 out. I, I don't want to go up that mountain. 
They would have missed it. The first thing requirement of having a mountaintop experience is you got to show up. And you never know when God's going to reveal yourself. I've had worship services that have been many mountaintop experiences. I've had revelations in reading scripture that have been many mountaintop experiences. And I think, what if I didn't go? What if I didn't open my Bible that day? I would have missed it. And so we have to show up. I want to close with a scripture out of, I don't know if some of you, I think, have heard of Upmost for the Highest. It's one of many devotionals that I've gone through over the years. And this one's very good. And this has always stuck with me. It's the reading for October 1st. It says, we have all experienced times of exaltation on the mountain when we have seen things from God's perspective and have wanted to stay there. But God will never let, allow us to stay there. The true test of our spiritual life is exhibiting power to descend from the mountain. If we only have power to go up, something is wrong. It is a wonderful thing to be on the mountain with God but a person only gets there so that he or she may later go down and lift up the demon-possessed people in the valley. We are not made for the mountaintops, for the sunrise, for other beautiful attractions in life. Those are simply intended to be moments of inspiration. We are made for the valley, the ordinary things in life. And that is where we have to prove our stamina and strength. Yet our spiritual selfishness want, always wants, uh, want, wants repeated mount, moments on the mountains. We feel that if we could talk or, and live like perfect angels, that we could live like that if we could only stay on the mountaintop. Those times of exaltation are exceptional, and they have their meaning in our life with God. But we must be aware to prevent all spiritual selfishness from wanting us to make them be the only time. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for those mountaintops experienced that you give us to get a special glimpse, special revelation of you and your truth that we experience you in new and found ways. But Lord, help us to know that we are not meant to stay on the mountaintops. They are meant to inspire us, to strengthen us, to make us, mold us, and shape us so that we can go back down into the valleys. And we know that those experiences aren't for us alone, but those that we will encounter in the valley. So Lord, strengthen us, mold us, shape us, individually, collectively as a church, Lord, help us to know that to experience you in big and profound and small and little intimate ways that we need to show up in your word, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, in service. Lord, thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.